What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Probably Off Topic. Today, we've got some segments for you. We've got some NFL news to discuss, and we've got the six-time state champ head coach, Tim Roken, on the podcast today. So let's get into this. I had something on my mind, so I, I, I got it off my, my chest. I went and got some work, got some work. Hey, Greg, why don't you go piss your pants again? People don't forget. I think you got to earn respect. Just putting this understood on my graves. Uh-huh, I heard that. I didn't hear that, but I just heard that. Are you not entertained? Everybody says, who does he think he is? I just told you who I thought I was. I think I just said that. I speak of friends. Teammates, coaches, friends. The show had just begun. Pat, how are we feeling? I'm excited for this interview today. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to lie. I know. I'm nervous. Oh, oh you're nervous. We're the champion. Yeah, I know. A six-time six time champion. Um, but let's get into our segments before we get into the interview. So uh, give me some history. Cool. So today, little uh, twofer. It's a twofer. A twofer. I think it's our first twofer. First twofer. It, I wouldn't say it was the my lack of energy put into this i'd say more it was just the lack of content done on this day <laughs> the throughout lack of history the year. yeah the lack of history done on this day throughout the years that is appropriate for this podcast um so this first one i've honestly been talking about recently and i'm like trying to spread the word it's kind of like a it's kind of like a birds PSA. aren't real okay. kind of thing i got going on mm -hmm. um whatever here we go. 1887, Ann Sullivan becomes the teacher of Helen Keller. Okay. Okay. At what, what, how old was Helen Keller when Ann Sullivan became her teacher? And then let me educate you. Okay. Uh, she was a little, she was a little, she was blind, deaf, and mentally handicapped there you to go. an extent. There you go. <laughs> uh what age you're asking me she was and ann sullivan is the teacher that was the one who like did it for what, her are you asking me the age of ann frank though or ann no. sullivan and what age was helen keller helen, when... ann frank <laughs> helen yeah, i get the confusing mix up <laughs> so let me give you some context behind the question she had other teachers before but ann sullivan was the one that like got was able to communicate with her and is like the reason for her fame so when did Ann Sullivan become her teacher? I'm still confused. You're asking me a year or an age? Age. Age. Uh, How old was Helen Keller when she this, was this, did her ten? Good guess. Six. Six. Yeah. I was see at first I was thinking really young, and then you said multiple teachers, mm -hmm. and I was like, all right, that's kind of like in between six. Yeah, so six. yeah, so right when you should be starting to get your education. So that I guess so she came from a rich family, right? Apparently they tried multiple teachers, nothing worked, you know, because she literally couldn't hear or see. And Ann Sullivan came around and all of a sudden Helen Keller wrote 15 books and went on to become like this philanthropist. I think it's all fake. Ooh. I do. I think it's all nonsense. And whenever I tell people about it, they're like, dude, I don't think you're wrong. Like, yeah, like somebody. Yo, I read this article about how Ann Sullivan came from a cult. <laughs> Oh and like all this crazy stuff and she like worshiped the devil and stuff. So my thing is either she wrote these 15 books or she got Helen Keller to sell her soul to the devil. 
and then possibly, you know, maybe she was hearing and seeing and was just faking right. it this whole time. Deal or, with the devil. or it was all just fake. Fifth, I, I, 15 books at the age of. I mean, said it was by the time like she started with her when she was six. So I don't know what age the book just pumping out novels by the 15, age of nine. <laughs> by fourth grade, we will be writing autobiographies. I couldn't write one book if I tried. No, I think about that all the time. 15 is like, a lot. Like, I know people get other people to write books about yeah. them, but like people that straight up sit down, have an idea and like, I'm going to write 300 pages about this. That is crazy. Different. Or like 500. Skill. Yeah. Like skill. Harry Potter, yeah. J.K. Rowling not she's never been able to write a good thing ever again since then too which is i know weird. which is like is that i feel like a lot of uh authors are like that though like they get their niche yeah. and then they just stay there and it's just like oh this is how i'm gonna make money this is how it's gonna work um but shout out to them for being able to do that i i mean i think back to college and writing five page papers was like the hardest oh thing in the world for me and then they're like oh, i used to this get one's called, gonna be single space i'm like I, i'm not gonna be able to i got called plagiarizing like twice in college <laughs> on like 10 page papers because i simply just don't even know enough words i don't know enough words <laughs> i love there's this one tiktok it's like are you trying to make your papers longer and it's like instead of the put blah 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 blah, blah. instead of and put the, the, the. and it's, i'm like why wasn't this around it's when it's crazy you really can tweet like i need a homework slave and they'll dm you right away like i'll write your paper i got you the one time i talked to one i was like i have a 10 page paper doing four hours he was, was like, you are on your own. I was a homework slave for a basketball player at Temple to not be named. Really? Oh, yeah, yeah you Whole were. freshman year, yeah, I was making were. bread. And it was like, wait. He'd be like, please do my one journal assignment. And I'd be like, okay. He'd be like, what's your price? I'm like, $50. He'd be like, okay. I'm like, That's, all right, this yeah. is great. All right, I will name my price and keep making this work for me. But long story short. They're fake. They're not all. They're not. I think by. Helen Keller was a phony. And Ann Sullivan was the puppeteer. I'm going to get into a YouTube uh, rabbit hole tonight about this. It's, it's yeah. I just don't think enough. I think it was such a touchy subject. People that were afraid to. Not like, enough people ask questions. Yeah. It was just like, all people right, were sensitive no. about that back then. Matt, yeah. like the things they're sensitive about now, it's right. unheard of. But yeah, I can imagine that was probably weird to be like, I don't think that girl wrote those books. Or yeah. Yeah. Maybe. I think she's a fan. <laughs> I think Helen Keller is such a phony. Uh, so stay woke. Tell your friends. Tell people, tell people to look stuff up. Let's let's bring her down. <laughs> bring her down. Um, okay, number two. Oh God. Um, this one. In 1939, Muhammad Gandhi. You familiar with him? Yes. The little Yoda looking motherfucker. Um he had he started a fast on this day in 1939. Oh, okay. He is known for a fast. Some would say he's a Hall of Fame faster. Mm -hmm. Some would say he's the best to ever fast. He uh, is known. It's documented that he had 18 like public fasts. Right. What, like, All right, everybody start counting. <laughs> how many days was his longest fast? Um, 94 I'll days. tell you this one. I'll I'll tell you this for context because that was a terrible guess. <laughs> the one that he started on this day, on in 1939, so one of 18 was only four days. Oh, so what was his longest fast? Yeah. So this this one was just one of the average of ones. Only uh, four days. 18 days. Fuck, you were close. 21. 21. Went three weeks. I was thinking under three weeks. At first, I was thinking three months. That's, That's why crazy. I said 94. And I, I think like, a lot of them got cut short because he was like in prison and well, they would just force feed him. Right. That's what I thought was yeah. he like, I thought long because I was thinking, oh, he's probably in prison or mm -hmm. something. But then I didn't consider them forcing him to eat food because he's in prison. So I guess 21 was on his 
21 days. That's crazy. Three whole weeks. Three weeks is a long time. It's a pay period and a half. I remember in first grade, I was at the misfit table. Um, I, I was the kid with the anger issues. There were a couple other misfits. There was like a mm-hmm. foreign exchange student and one that kid that was really smart. He was Muslim. So he was fasting all the time. And when you're in sixth grade or in, when you're uh, you five or six and you don't kids... understand what's happening in first grade, like why is this man not eating lunch? Right. So I would refer to him as be, I'd be like Gandhi. I'd give him like knuckle touches and thinking back now, probably <laughs> not the best thing. But <laughs> when I was saying it, I meant I meant well, like you keep it up, Gandhi. Yeah, <laughs> like, that's great. This. That's terrible. <laughs> terrible. But hey. I feel like I helped his morale. I'm sure the he day. tells that story. I used to get called Gandhi, Gandhi by this fat white religious views. <laughs> no, but really, I think prejudice white. You kid. didn't see kids like that in high school because of Catholic school. Mm-hmm. But like going to public school, there were kids that you'd be like, "Why is he not eating lunch?" And it's like because yeah. it's fucking he doesn't eat Ramadan or something. Or something. Like yeah, that, or, yeah, yeah. It's, he can't eat what's on the lunch menu today. It's crazy. That is so uh, shout out to Gandhi for 21 days. I. I went like 21 hours without eating and wanted to die. Oh my God. Think about it. Yeah. Like what's the longest you've gone without eating? Really? Probably like a 20, like almost a day. Yeah. Like a day maybe. Yeah, just like, Oh, I f- and that's probably only after like binge. I, yeah. I was going to say, I definitely <laughs> went like a couple like Friday nights into like a full Saturday where I like barely ate anything right. and then woke up Sunday. Like I've had like one chicken breast <laughs> in the last two, three days. Oh shit. Yeah, I can't, days is crazy. can't do it. Don't sign me up for that. Um, that's why I just um I know I should have looked up like what were his tactics, his stats. You don't just sit there, like there's gotta be something oh, like I'm sure, yeah, chugging water or something. They're like, Yeah, like what do you do? Putting stuff up your butt. I don't know. Eating you know? things that aren't food, you're like, I'm not eating food, I'm just eating or eating sand. stuff through <laughs> your butt or ears yeah. or stuff, something. I don't know. Yeah, are there like uh loopholes to this? How are we gonna yeah. get around this whole mouth feeding thing? Lots okay. of cocaine. Like, who knows? <laughs> yeah, just don't sleep and you'll never need to eat. Or just sleep. Or just sleep. Just only sleep, which I'm sure once you Maybe stop eating. Maybe he was eating, sedated the whole time. Yeah, like yeah. once you stop eating, I feel like it's all you got to be a lump sleep. on a load. Yeah. <laughs> like Gandhi? Or no, a lump on a log. <laughs> a lump on a load. <laughs> Didn't sound yeah, too thing. bad. Yeah. Lump on a log. <laughs> all right, let's get into these NFL topics we have. Um, One is a hypothetical and one is something that actually happened. You pick. Which one do you want to talk about first? What happened? What happened? JJ Watt, Arizona Cardinal, two years, 30 something million, 23 guaranteed. It's a lot of money, but I'm not flash. Who cares? He's going to get hurt both years. Right. And I'm not, but I'm not for this narrative of like, he took the money over the ring because if everyone can just rewind to beginning of last season, the Arizona Cardinals and Kyler Murray and Cliff Kingsbury were the sexy pick to be like, good. they're going to be, they're yeah. going to be a team that like, we're not, you're not going to see come in like, Oh, after four weeks, I bet Kyler's going to be the MVP boat. So I can't say that he is selling out for a ring. I mean, the Cardinals are a legit team. They're in the toughest division in football. I'd say, especially if Russ stays. Um, but I think it's a fun fit for JJ Watt. He's, coached by the defense coordinator early in his career. I think he was like part of the um, uh, one of the staffs in, with the Texans, but I think it's a good fit. I'm I'm intrigued to just see. I think it's a fun fit. Yeah, like they didn't have. And it's cool he's with Hopkins again. Right, and they had. they can not win a Super Bowl t- together. Again. <laughs> so, you know, they could be. It's, like one, of, it's like one of them situations where like. We already know what we're getting into. <laughs> not even that. It's just like if they would have both retired, they would have like both been like, man, what? What would have been if they DeAndre Johnson if the Texans didn't ruin us? Yeah. So now there's never that what if they go to Arizona and they'll lose 
So we know there's right. never that. What it's if. not the Texans. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's just you guys. So the, yeah, it's you guys. you're the problem, JJ. I feel like this happens all the time. Like every time there's like a signing like this, but I did see like one tweet from someone. And it was like, I know an inside source, uh, a coach that works within the Houston office. And apparently JJ Watt did more hurt than he did help this season. I'm just like, this happens every time. Yeah, like, I'm sure. Um, but yeah, the he was like big on social media with this. And he his wife is his like a news. Houston soccer player. I'm sorry, but his wife's like a Houston uh, girl soccer player, and Arizona's close. So at the same time, I feel like he wanted to be like fuck you guys, but he's yeah. like I'm not gonna go that far. And if you think about, because I like the- this area, it's very. The what, was he going to go to the Packers this is, where that's he's what I was from, say. where the, he knows it's cold? The, t- the three like sexy teams that everybody was talking about were the Packers, the Bills, and the Steelers. It was because of his brothers, because the Bills are he good. Fits and the, he fits the the, t- the mold. Of, this like, dude played in a dome his whole career. Why yeah. would he now go and play in a cold-ass, awful yeah. stadium? And it's been play? over like, a decade. It makes no yeah. sense. It, it it made a lot more sense for him to go to Arizona. Um, But he it would have been cool to dry see air. It would have been cool to see him and J.J. JJ and TJ, like mm-hmm. they're the storyline surrounding this. Cool yeah, too. that's what I say. The storyline surrounding this, no matter where he went, would have been cool. Yeah. Even he went to the Bills and they was like, oh, the Bills added a cool veteran piece. Cause like the whole thing last year was, oh, the Bills don't have any cool. It'd be like needs. eating wings and stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah and cool. Jumping on tables and yeah. shit. Um, all right. So let's talk about the hypothetical thing. Um, this whole Dak, Russ, potentially getting traded for each other thing is just. Is this like a thing? It may because okay. you texted me and it makes sense. Like I'm, I'm it makes sense. I agree with it. Or it whatever, is but is it a thing? It is a thing. Oh. Russ was saying <laughs> I don't know if you're gonna yawn, throw up, or burn no, like all everything. <laughs> um uh, Russ was was quoted saying that he is he wants Dak's seat. Now, does that mean he wants to be a Dallas Cowboy? He wants to be in the the seat of Dak, like financially being the one that right. has control. He wants his recliner. Like, what do you mean on? by? But everybody took it as he wants to literally be a Dallas Cowboy because you'll hear Dan Orlovsky on ESPN and stuff talk about this is about a, a brand thing. Ten years down the line, like saying he wants to be the Magic Johnson of the NFL. Which, hey, he is already on his way to being the Magic Johnson of the NFL in terms of cringiness, in terms of just everything about him is so one sexually transmitted disease away, <laughs> away from being the Magic Johnson of the NFL. Um, exactly. But the idea makes me want to throw up one as an Eagles fan, but it, it would be like a video game taking all bias out of it, putting Dak press. I mean, putting uh, Russell Wilson on the Dallas Cowboys with the weapons they have granted. They'd very, have to give up more than very good. Man, they would. Yeah, they'd be the team that everybody like, you can't play with them. Can't play with them. Too good. Can't play with them. But it would be fun. Like if, if it was any team but the Cowboys, I'd be all for this. I just don't I just don't want to see that happen. But I do think Dak and Seattle would be cool. Like it makes sense. It makes way too much sense for both teams not to do it. It just does. The Cowboys can trade lights, away that money yeah, and not have to get skin. any, <laughs> not have to get rid of anybody else. I mean, they'll, I'm sure they'll throw in a pick or two, but I'm just so intrigued by this whole thing. And the fact that quarterbacks have so much power now. Now, the other quote coming from the other side is Dak wants to be paid as much as Patrick Mahomes. Come on, bro. Slow down. Yeah. Like what? What? Peaked already. What? The, 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 I get it. They they should have control because they are the franchise face and all that, the face of the franchise, and that they're going to be the one that gets them to the Super Bowl. But it is just mind-boggling that they can just say whatever they want and usually get whatever they want. Like Deshaun Watson, you asked me a few weeks ago, is Deshaun Watson going to get traded? And I was like, probably. And that was kind of the beginning of this Russell Wilson thing. It was like, is Russ really going to get traded because he's all like fed up with Seattle uh-huh. and Carroll or whatever? I just was like, feel if like, Deshaun does, then probably Russ will. I just feel like Dak is like, 
so arrogant that he's the type that'll be like, oh, this trade's only happening because like Russ wanted it. Like, right. You know, it's happening on like his word, yeah. not mine. Like, what am I? Like, but I the number know. that the Cowboys, I also have don't blame Dak because fuck Jerry Jones. I wouldn't let him walk all over me either. So, like, I kind of do like the games he's played with him over the no, years. No, absolutely. It, as Dak every has right, he has now. every right to. There yeah. was a time when Dak had no Bro, leverage. This is crazy right here. They're yeah, frying they're like frying. crazy right now. Yeah, uh, fighting a line eye against the Michigan. two against four man college hoops. People are talking about if the if Michigan wins this game, are they going to be the overall one seed in the tournament? I don't think so. I uh, don't think so. Um, that's something that's coming right around the corner too. March Madness. We're, this is we're officially March, in yeah. March, so uh, we'll be we'll be chatting up some teams soon. Probably next episode. Um, all right. So that's enough NFL talk. I hope that doesn't happen. It is intriguing, Dak, for Russ. Yeah. But I, oh my God. I just, it's, it's like a dream. It's like something I can't fathom until it actually happens. Um, all right. Let's get into this interview with Coach Tim Roken. Uh, Tim Roken, St. Joe's Prep. St. Joe's Prep. Six time, six time, six time, like Tom Brady. Jordan. Well, not like Tom Brady anymore. Like Jordan. Like Jordan. Uh, six time champion, state champion, PI AA. Coach Tim Roken, uh, it was a pleasure talking to him. So hope you guys enjoy this as much as we had fun doing it. Go prep. Go prep. Go prep. Go. Yeah. Philly. Champions in the United States. Yeah. Tell me up, Cruz. All right, everybody, welcome to the show. Tim Roken, Coach Tim Roken, we should say. We'll probably call you Coach throughout the whole interview, just to let you know. It's usually <laughs> no problem. how it goes. Uh, welcome to the show. Say hello to the fans. Hey, appreciate you guys having me, and uh, appreciate everybody out there listening, and make sure you tune in to listen to you know the, your past uh, podcast you guys got and episodes you guys got, and, and for the future. I've listened to a few so far. Uh, you know, guys do a great job. No, thank you. Appreciate thank that. You. Um, sounds good to hear somebody somebody listening. We were just talking about like we don't really know who listens. We just see the numbers, and it's like when someone comes up and says, "They oh, we've been listening." It's like, oh, you're one of the numbers. Thank <laughs> you. We appreciate that. <laughs> um, all right, so coach, we like to start off all of our interviews with the same question, just to kind of break the ice, get to know you as a as a person. So here we go. Uh, if you were unfortunately on death row, you got one meal before they pull the plug. What are you going to have on your platter before before it's all over? Um, probably in between two, probably, uh, either, uh, chicken parm okay. or, uh, like surf and turf, like steak and lobster or something like that. Ooh, very, very classy like choices. Yeah, classy. Very classy choice. Got to fill the tummy up. Of course, before yeah, we've had some interesting choices. Oh yeah. They go, the, they range from like year. a cheese string to, you know, a Salisbury steak, 10 Salisbury steaks. Yeah. We've got, got a wide range of, uh, answers. Yeah, I feel like I've grown up on eating a lot of chicken parm. I've been out to dinner with family and friends and then, uh, you know, my mom cooking it and then, um, you know, and then surf and turf, you know, for those, for those special occasions, you know, you got to uh, make yeah. sure, you, you know, you, you get some of that. So <laughs> for sure. All right. So we were actually talking about before you're now the head coach of St. Joe's prep football, but let's talk about kind of your background there. And we were discussing the whole Gabe and Fonte thing. Cause I went to temple. So I remember it as Gabe Infante coming as part of the Manny Diaz staff. I don't know if that's hundred percent true, but now he's still there. Did he leave and come back to ten, or to back to St. Joe's for a year? 
No. Uh, well, I thought that may be happening uh, when Manny decided to go back to uh, Miami. Um, but no, he, yeah, he was, he was going to be part of that staff. Um, and then, yeah, I think it was two weeks. Right. And, and coach Diaz went back to Miami. Yeah, two weeks felt like two days. And I tell you what, it was pretty crazy. I was on vacation in Florida. Um, and I know coach Infante was on his way to the Bahamas at the time with his family. And, um, that's when the news broke, uh, that Manny was going back to, 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 uh, to Miami. And a lot of, a lot of people were obviously blowing up my phone and, and trying to blow up his phone and, Nobody get contact him because he was on flight and you know headed off to the Bahamas and and I was uh, trying to field all the calls trying to figure out what was going on. So I at the time didn't know if he was actually going to have to be coming back uh, to prep after I just got named the head coach, which obviously I would have welcomed him back with open arms, you know, and, and uh, obviously everything that he's done for me uh, and the success that we've had there. But you know, I was glad uh, it was it was great to see that Temple uh, kept him on board, um, and then with the new staff that came in. Uh, from Northern Illinois, I think is where they were come. They were coming from, and um, you know they kept him on board, and, uh, and and he's still there with them now to this day. So, so what was your role on Infante's staff prior to becoming the head coach? Yeah, when I first got there in 2010, I was coming off. Of, um, you know, I just got done college at East Stroudsburg University. I worked a year with the U.S. Army All American Game and Football University. It was a, a sport marketing company up in Wharton, New Jersey, and. Uh, it was kind of crazy how I got the job. Um, you know, one of my coworkers was um, calling coaches in the Philadelphia area looking for uh, some players to go to uh, the camp they were going to host in Philly in July. And, you know, he had spoken with Coach Infante and Coach had just taken a job and was really just trying to learn more about the city and, um, you know, being from North Jersey and not knowing too much about Philadelphia and, and then trying to find some coaches. And, uh, you know, I was sitting behind uh, my coworker at the time and he's like, hey, he's like, I got a guy here that, you know, just got done playing college ball and, and you know, is involved in a lot of our camps and things like that and, and might be interested. So I got on the phone with them and, and I knew of the prep growing up, uh, played against them, being an Archbishop Ryan grad, being from the Northeast. And so I knew of their success and tradition. Um, and then once I met, uh, once I met Gabe and, and got to talk about the different values and things we want to instill in the program and, um, and where we want to take this thing. And obviously it was, it was, a, it was a long road from the beginning, but uh, we were able to have some success in, in, the, in the next couple of years. And, and um, you know, I started out as a uh, quarterback coach and uh, working with the wide receivers. Uh, I was blessed going in there. Skyler, Mor Skyler Morningweek was my quarterback. Mm -hmm. uh, he was a junior, so I had two years there with him. Um, and my second year, I became um, I became the the offense coordinator, and then the year after that, became also the assistant head coach. So, so nine years I was an assistant as a whole um, underneath uh, Gabe uh, as the assistant head coach and, and offense coordinator, essentially. So you kind of cool. answered my next question. Yeah, answered. A, I I had a couple talking points because I saw you went to Ryan. I also went to Ryan. And I, I played a couple years there. I played under Frank McGardle. And I saw a picture of you on tedsolari.com. And it's like you and Chris McGardle. And Chris was like our linebacker coach uh, when back in like 2013 when I played for Ryan. And I thought that was funny. I was like, oh, crap. I didn't know this guy was a Ryan guy. So I thought that was funny. Like, um, did was Gallion the coach then? Is that who you played for? Yeah, Gallion was coach. Uh, I, I think he's actually back. I seen him. He was helping out with Archbishop Wood a little bit this year okay. I seen him, uh, during the season. And I think he's going back uh, with, I think, 
um, Mr. McFillin, um, older McFillin to, to help out a little okay. bit. Maybe just the freshman team, but they're going back to help out a little bit, I think. Cool. And then, yeah, I saw you also played with Joe Zaglinski, correct? Yes. Yeah, yeah. he's like the AD over at Ryan now. He's got good basketball program. Yeah, I grew up. I grew up with his family. You know, his dad coached us in basketball and, and sports. Growing up, uh, I was the same year as Zach. Uh, the okay, oldest. yeah, that family is so athletic. Yeah, they all kind of had their own sport. You know, Zach was very good in baseball. Um, you know, obviously they they all played. They were all very good in all the sports. You know, as as being uh, in grade school and things like that. But you know, as they moved up, uh, Zach was always good in baseball. Um, you know, Joey. You know, was really good at football and then got hurt his sophomore year. He was a sophomore when I was a senior. And, um, you know, I know he had some looks for football. Uh, Penn State, I, I know, was looking at him. Yeah, he was the real deal. And, you know, obviously had an unfortunate injury and then turned that into having a great career at, at Hartford, you know, college basketball. And then, you know, yeah. it worked out for him. And then, you know, Sammy, obviously, uh, being the youngest, was uh, was a really good basketball player. Even when we were in high school, he played in Virginia. He was tearing us up uh, and obviously had a great career in Virginia. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, that's just, just it's just a small world that you went to Ryan. I wasn't expecting that because like I played in the PCL in high school and like I know how dominant prep is and how they really reign supreme like year after year. So it's really cool to talk to you and just hear how you guys keep that excellence like year in, year out with all the good talent. I appreciate that. Now we've, I mean, a lot of our staff, it's it's interesting. A lot of our staff is, is a lot of area guys from from Roman or uh, North Catholic when it was mm-hmm. open, um, you know, not, I think we only have maybe three guys that, uh, graduated from the prep, excuse me, uh, when we first kind of started in the, in the first couple of years. Now I kind of feel old cause there's a few guys that I coach that are now working underneath me, uh, yeah. back and, and, and give back their, uh, you know, give back their time. So. So was it, uh, you mentioned that you were an assistant coach, uh, an assistant head coach for two years prior to getting the job. Was there ever a time, uh, in that I guess in the off season where you didn't think you were going to be the head coach or like you had other competitors or anything like that, or was it pretty known that you were going to be handed the keys? Um, you know, I, I didn't really think about it, um, you know, too much as we were going along, you know, coach Infante had a few opportunities, um, you know, in the prior couple of years that, you know, there's always conversations of that, you know, um, you know, and, and I was always, you know, I think from the beginning, I was more just focused on trying to match him step for step, you know, as, as a young guy. I mean, I was 23 years old coming in, you know, I thought I knew everything and learned real quick. I didn't. And, um, you know, you, you, you gain appreciation for for coaching the, the high school kid and, and watching the develop of, development of them, you know, through that time um, and watching them go on and do great things at the college level or just, you know, in life in general. And, um you know, it was just great how he was an unbelievable mentor uh, and leader for our program and else as a staff. And and I just tried to match him step for step uh, as much as I could and be there with him. And, and in a way, kind of, you know, just being a sponge and trying to kind of soak up all that that information. And, um, you know, when, when the time came, kind of in the last couple of years, you thought it might be coming soon uh, because of the opportunities, he, you know, he had had or, or he had uh, been offered a few times. But um, you know, he, uh, and, and I'm very blessed for it. You know, he, he had to go to administration and, um, uh, and, 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 and let them know that he really, you know, wanted me to take over the job and, and they had to approve of it. Um, you know, I think the, the thing that helped me the most with that, um, was I worked in the finance office, uh, for about, uh, five years in the business office there, uh, prior to taking over the head job. And, 
know, because when I first started coaching, I left a full time job to go coach uh, high school football as an assistant. Right. And that's as an assistant, you know, you're not making the money that way. Yeah, so uh, he was able to fight for me and uh, find me a job in the building at some point. Um, and I think just the relationships I built in the building uh, with administration and faculty and staff kind of helped that transition a lot. Uh, you know, when, when the decision was made, there was an article that like that I was reading about you and it like named like a bunch of ex jobs that you, you used to have, like before you uh, dedic like went after the football dream. And it was like landscaping, construction, sales, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. What was your favorite job? or least favorite job <laughs> before football? I think, um, you know, Sal's, Sal's was tough, just always driving around a little bit. I was doing that for a year and the company kind of, um, the company shut down and, and went under. So I lost my job and that's kind of how coach really started because that was the first job when I came back, um, when I first started coaching. And then when I lost that job, um, you know, Gabe really helped me out, kind of get back on my feet a little bit. And I was just working a lot of different side jobs, like you kind of yeah. say there. And, you know, I worked at, I tell you what, in, in a, a prep guy helping a prep guy, John Fisher, who owns Baby Blues Barbecue uh, there. That was on there too. Yeah, <laughs> that was there. And, uh, you know, on Sampson Street in, in Drexel there area. But he um, he was great. You know, I was on there bar backing and, you know, busting tables and, you know, kind of just cash. doing whatever I could, you yeah. know, uh, to kind of keep my head above water. Cause as I, I knew this is something that I wanted to do. And I knew coach was going to keep, you know, uh, pounding the desk for me uh, to try and get me in the building to get a, to get a position there uh, somewhere in the building. So, yeah. Cause I was going to say out of that list, like I, I landscaped for a summer and that was like easily my least favorite job I've ever done. <laughs> um, I guess the, the early hours I was used to uh, in that sense, you know, oh, yeah. practices, but our sick <laughs> practices and stuff like that, that was, that was easy to do, but you know, the labor is the labor. Yeah. Um, another question you talked about earlier, how you were a quarterback at East Stralsburg. James Franklin was also a quarterback at East Stralsburg. Do you guys know each other? Do you ever talk about the good old days up at ESU? Um, <laughs> does that play a role in like him recruiting your, your guys? Um, yeah. What's that relationship like? Is there a relationship? Yeah. I mean, we have a, we have a good relationship. Um, you know, he, I do remember when I was up there at Stroudsburg at the time, he had stopped by practice. I think he was at Maryland at the time when I was there. Um, and he had stopped by practice. He's really good friends with, um, uh, the offensive line coach, uh, Mike Santella there. They've been best buds for, for, for many years. And, um, you know, so, and then I remember, and then he actually, he left and went to Kansas state and, he would put his phone on the desk and I think he had Josh Freeman at the time. Um, it was quarterback for him. When yeah. he was eight. And he would be, you know, just lighting up the quarterback room. Uh, and we were just kind of just listening to him, you know, kind of talk about, you know, through the quarterback drills and, or through the film, uh, just hearing how, you know, they, they coach their quarterbacks. Um, but yeah, since he's been at Penn state, I've been up there many a times um, visiting with the staff. Uh, we've obviously had a few players go there. Mm -hmm. Uh, over the years. And, um, you know, I know it wasn't, uh, you know, a, uh, um, a great, a great deal for him that, you know, obviously Kyle and, and Marvin were heading out to Ohio state recently. I know. I'm uh, not too happy. Okay, about that's, that. that's, that's all right. We don't have to talk about that. Part of the college deal, but I won't bring yeah. that. 
So let's uh let's talk about recruiting. I feel like obviously that's a huge part of the college landscape, and you are basically coaching a college program. Um, what is recruiting like at the high school level? Are you like checking kids' social medias to make sure they're not assholes and like stuff like that? I tell you what, in my ten years, um, you know, since 2010, since I've been there, right, more than ten years now, but uh, you know, I'd say over the last probably five or six, social media has just exploded, right, and. Uh, yeah, I mean, we actually just had a meeting on it with our guys uh, about a few weeks ago and and just letting them know that, you know, that cell phone is, is probably most of, one of the most dangerous things they have, but it can be very useful, right? You, you can use it in a lot of good ways, but there's a lot of danger you can get yourself into with that. And um, you see it all the time with these guys getting drafted or, uh, and now, you know, there's there's jobs that are, that are doing those background checks as well. So, and they're going back six, seven years uh, and these guys pass and finding things. So it definitely, uh, social media definitely plays a major role in terms of the recruiting. And then I think just recruiting in general, uh, you know, of our program over the years, um, it's great with the relationships and, and the rapport we built with, with some of these colleges and, uh, and these coaches, uh, you know, some of them have been around since I've been there now for a while. Some of them have been wearing a few different, you know, emblems or logos when they walk in, uh, being around at a couple of different, uh, jobs, but, uh, you know, you continue to build that relationship. And, um, you know, we have the complete, you know, influx of coaches that come through our build, building, right? Uh, I think I just put up the stat for our families the other day. Since 2010, uh, I think we've had 115, I believe, commitments to, to play college football. And only 22 of them are division, are uh, big-time Division One, right, FBS. Uh, a lot of our guys, I think it was like 36 or so in the FCS level, a lot of the Patriot League, um, Ivies, and then, uh, you know, we had uh, about 15 or so in the D2s, and then there's about okay. 40 some that are playing, um, you know, at, at Division Three level. You know, do you so. remember, do you remember Anthony Lenahan? I think, yeah. I, yeah, on the D-line like a year or two ago. Yeah, I, I, uh, I worked at Winchester Swim Club up off, uh, like, the uh, home circle area and I was like a manager there and he like him and his brother worked under me and I like knew them. They were big, like prep football guys. And like, we would always get hyped hype for him. Cause he was a beast. Like <laughs> he's, yeah, he was the man. And I think he's playing D three somewhere. So yeah, he's one of them D three guys you're talking about. Who's yeah, like, yeah, he's a guy, you know, he's a three-year starter for us. Yeah. Right? Yeah. He was a stud. He was a big varsity guy, three-year starter. He, he had some injuries that, that, you know, that hurt him there a little bit, um, you know, in terms of his recruiting, um, you know, but his academics were off the chart. Right. So, yeah, I mean, you know, maybe the, the Penn state or the big time dream, right. Isn't there, but he's still going to go get a great education yeah. at Amherst and set himself up for life. Right. And so I think that's when our, when our guys go through the program, it, that's that's what it's trying to kind of let them understand. It's more about the experience uh, of these four years, right? And and as you guys know, right, those high school years and, and the, the, the the you know the friends that you built and the relationships that you built in those years are are lifelong, right? And you know they're not going to remember the the scores of these games that we're playing and stuff like that, but they'll remember the relationships. And it's more about that experience and yeah. preparing them right for for that next level if if it's going to happen for them. And and our guys come back all the time, and it's you know, practice is easier, class is easier. And it's not that it's easier. They're just more prepared. And, you know, it's something we take a lot of pride in. Um, So I have another question, like based, based off of what we just talked about. So a kid like a Kyle McCord or a Harrison or a Trotter 
or a Runyon or a John Reed or DeAndre Swift when he was there. A kid that knows he's going to go to a big time program is like when he's a fr- when he's an underclassman. How do you keep a kid like that grounded for like the for that three four years? Like, how do you keep him humble and make sure he stays out of trouble? And just, like, I know, I know, you know, I know you're going to Georgia, but you still got two years of high school left. So just let's like make sure he doesn't mess up along the way. Like, what are, what are those conversations like with an underclassman? Yeah, I think, you know, one thing to let the guys know, because we have a few currently, right, that are that are getting a, a, a couple looks now um, early on and. Uh, it's making sure they understand that our program is in the position that we are because of the guys that came before them. Right. And um, you know, the DeAndre's and um, you know, those guys in those couple of years, right. The Runyons, the, the, the Olamide Zacchaeus, right. John Reeds, they set the foundation, right. For the Kyle McCords, the Marvin Harrison's right. As the years kind of went on. And um, you know, it's important for those guys as they go through is that to understand that, you know, the future is watching them. And they're setting the foundation for the next group, right? So if, if they believe in the tradition, right, of this program uh, and our brand, that they'll they'll continue to lead, and they're still developing, right? They can they can develop in other ways, right? They might be really good, you know, athletically on the field, but they have to improve in terms of their leadership or just their communication or just you know, again, just just trying to find ways to develop them as a man and uh, things that are going to help them, you know, future in in their future. Um, you know, uh, spots that they're going to in whatever college or university it may be. And, you know, just setting, letting them know that they're going to, you know, they're going to leave a legacy here and it's very important um, and making sure that, you know, the tradition continues and, and they're setting the example, um, you know, as a junior or a senior, even though they, you know, have all those accolades. Um, but, you know, staying humble is a big piece of it. Right. And, and, you know, it's a, a lot of guys nowadays, right? It's it's all about that kind of self gratification with the Instagram likes and the and the yeah. retweets and all that. And it's like, it's going to come. Everybody's process is different. We've had three year starters that didn't get offers till their after their senior year, right? And, and it just happens different for everybody. And that's that's just the recruiting, you know, and kind of how that rolls. But you know, if you if you stick to the process and, and you keep your head down, you keep working, you'll get the good things will come from it. Feel like everybody uh, in like their youth sports time at least gets to the point where you realize you're either going to be like like in baseball you <laughs> yeah. get to the 90 foot bases and you're like all right this is for me or it's like I'm just going to play this until I can't play this anymore. Um, do you have guys that come to St. Joe's and like they're the cream of the crop at their middle school or whatever and then they get there and they play two years and they're fine they're solid guys but like and they're getting looks from like D three or whatever but they have the ego of like. I want to play D1. Like, why am I not getting Ohio State to come and look at me? I'm on this team too. Like, do you have, do you ever have to deal with issues like that? Not do you have guys like that, but do you ever have to deal with like anything of that nature? Absolutely. Yeah. I think it's just about, again, letting them know that everybody's process is different. And, you know, everybody's dream is the NFL, right? Like, that's the ultimate dream. It might be, you know, maybe they're looking at the Ohio States or the Miamis or the Penn States, right? But it's, in essence, right, they want to go play in the NFL, right, because they've seen some of these guys that have come here before. And, and part of it is letting them understand that, you know, how hard those guys worked, right, for, for what they got. Yeah, they had, you know, they had really good genes, right, but they were they were our best, they were our hardest workers as well. Um, and, you know, they, they put a lot of time and sacrifice in to get where, to where they are. But, um, and then the, and then on the other side of it is, is making sure that those guys understand as they go through, um, you know, like we just had a few guys obviously commit the 
you know, we had 20 seniors this year. We had 18 of them. Um, we had 18 of them commit. But it's like it's letting those guys understand that, um, you know, that NFL dream, like you can go like these guys are two, three year starters with us, but they might not be getting the looks at Division One. But that's maybe really where they really want to play and they're not getting the opportunities. It's like, all right, we'll go to a Division One AA or go to Division Two and play for you're going to play earlier. And more often you're going to give yourself more opportunity to get looked at by the NFL. Right. You know, like they're going to find if you're good enough, they're going to find you anywhere. So you hear, you see it all the time in the NFL, right? The guys are coming from D3s or getting drafted or D2s. And, you know, so it's pop. It, it, there are definitely opportunities there. Uh, it's just about what you make of them. Uh, kind of to backtrack a little bit. You talked about uh, when we were talking about recruiting, you said like development and stuff. What is who is the or yeah, what is the youngest age you've gone out and like recruited someone? Because, I mean, you got to be looking at like middle school kids, right? <laughs> I think we have camps, you know, we have the open houses. Uh, I think earlier in my career here, um, you know, it was more about, you know, just trying to go out and just watch games and just see who pops and, 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 and you know, and then gauge the interest from there. But, um, you know, with our success, um, you know, it, it's, it's become what people want to be a part of, um, you know, not just because of the success of the program, but I think uh, once in terms of, you know, being around the program, whether it's at a game or coming to a practice or, um, you know, being at the camp and, and uh, you know, meeting with our admissions people or academic people or me just talking about the, the culture of our program. I think that's kind of what sells uh, in, in terms of that. That's what they want to be a part of. Right. Because they, they want to. Yeah. They, you know, everybody kind of wants their their son to have a great football. You know, I'd say it all the time. Mom, mom wants, mom wants some little Johnny to be happy. Dad wants him to play in the NFL, right? It, it's, it's pretty consistent, right? <laughs> that way. But, um, you know, it's, everybody's not going to have that opportunity and it's about making the most of it, right. And working really hard and seeing where that falls. Um, you know, but I, I think guys come in, um, you know, like you said earlier, you know, guys come in that may be the all-star of their, their youth team, but they learn real quick, Right. That, that's not going to just get it done. Right. You know, all the accolades and, and everybody patting you on the back and telling you how good that you are. Right. We're going to bring you back down a peg and, and you know, we're going to put you and show you what real hard work is. Right. And this is another step. And, you know, because we treat this like a college program. So we're trying to kind of build you for that. You mentioned. Um, uh, go ahead. So we talked about the NFL. Um, you coach some former NFL players, sons. My dad coached uh, baseball at Pensbury in the 90s, and he, uh, he coached Terry Francona's son when Terry Francona was the Phillies coach. I think he's the Indians coach now. So my dad actually had – yeah, he had a couple, couple conversations with Terry Fran- Francona on the phone. Like, he, we have still have buckets of balls in our garage from, like, spring training and stuff. So that was always cool. Like, I always think that's a cool story to tell, but – so what what's it like like dealing with Jeremiah Trotter, Marvin Harrison? Like, is it what's your relationship like with them guys? Like, that's just cool. That just it's it's cool. Got any, got any Levar Ball dads? Yeah. Like, what are they like? Because I bet like obviously Marvin Harrison's a Hall of Famer, Trotter's an Eagles Hall of Famer. But when they're watching their kids play, they're just another dad. Like they're just cheering for their da- their kid. You know what right. I mean? So what's it like? Uh, having those guys on the sidelines. And and that's, like you said, though, that those guys want to be treated like one of the other guys. Right. And that's the best part about it. Right. They're, uh, I'll tell you a funny story. When I first started, uh, I told you Skylar Morningwood was the quarterback. Uh, 
Mm -hmm. So I'll never forget uh, turning around at practice. We were at Belmont Plateau at the time is where we were practicing. And I'll turn around and seeing uh, Coach Morningwing's car, you know, up in the parking lot. He's like kind of behind the tree. Like he was kind of, yeah. <laughs> not that he was like, you know, watch us right, and, right. see, you know, and, and talk bad or whatever, but he was just trying to watch practice. And, yeah. and that was the first time I was like, oh yeah, this is for real. All right. I got to make sure I'm on all my P's and Q's here. Right. The, yeah, the that's funny. Never know when he's watching right. behind the tree. I tell you what, you know, when he was, he was, you know, open up, um, you know, he's very um, you know, appreciative of the time we, we put in and, was you know very open you know we Gabe and I would go down to um, you know the facility and, and meet with him and Coach Peterson was the quarterback coach at the time um, you know and I think the the access we've had with those guys has been great just because their their knowledge right and, and being able to kind of you know pass that knowledge on obviously they're Hall of Famers in whatever you know uh, realm they are for for those reasons um, and yeah. Uh, Coach, uh, you know, Runyon was, uh, you know, he was, he's an yeah, offensive Runyon line. Too, I forgot about him. <laughs> he's just the way you think he is. But even, uh, even the pictures that have gone viral of DeAndre Swift's dad, like, yeah, he's intimidating too. <laughs> no, that's <laughs> the way with the guys. <laughs> just like their sons are, uh, in terms of extremely hard workers. Yeah. You know, and trying to be great leaders. You see it in them. Right. Just a work ethic. That's something that stands out from the jump because obviously their dads understand what it takes to get to that level. Right. And they've been coaching their sons up to the point uh, until when they get to us and they're, you know, instilling those values in them. Uh, and then when they get to us and yeah, we've had them a part of the staff. Coach, Coach Trotter is, is, is our assistant linebacker coach. Um, you know, oh, Coach cool. Harrison came out a few times this year. We, we got him out there. Uh, it was great to have him around. And he was just pulling some of the younger guys aside and just helping them out. And it's a great experience for those those, those oh, guys yeah. who might have no idea about it, right? They have no idea how lucky they Even are. Even if you get nothing out of it, like football-wise, what he's saying, just hearing him talk yeah. on the field, just being like, yeah, he coached us in high school a little bit. Like, like you said, a, it's all about the experience. Yeah, it's all about the experience. <laughs> that's what they'll remember, yeah. not the scores. It's, yeah, it's all about the bus rides home. Yeah. But yeah. that's, yeah, Plain that's so cool. Plenty of stories going around about Coach Swift, or about Coach Swift and his uh, strength and conditioning workouts. You know, they were yeah, yeah. hitting home a little bit, so. <laughs> yeah, that dude's a madman. You were uh, on the offensive. You were an offensive coordinator when DeAndre Swift was there. You said, "Yeah, yeah." Was it ever frustrating having to turn the keys off on the Ferrari like halfway through the game? Just keep finding ways to get him the ball. You know, <laughs> uh, those guys made me look. You know, everybody give me a lot of you know praise and all for a lot of those things. It's like those guys make me. You know, I can call the wrong play and they can make me look really good sometimes too. So, uh, but no, he was great. Very humble. I think. Something that he learned, I love to tell a story of he, when he came in, you know, he had, he had all, all this pressure to be the guy as a freshman. And we had, at the time, John Reed and Olamide were, uh, were juniors at the time, or excuse me, no, they were seniors at the time. So, and we had another running back uh, there as well. So he felt like he needed to be a guy and he was putting so much pressure on himself. So when he would make a state, make a mistake, like he gets so down on himself and he just feel like he was letting everybody down. Um, because that's kind of like you come from being the guy in your grade school and that's what you kind of feel like. And mm -hmm. he had this so much outside pressure on him as well. And just him getting to understand that um, he could learn from those guys and he didn't have to be the dude right now. Like you're, you're still a freshman. You got, you got plenty of time to learn this and let those other guys lead you in. And I think when he went to Georgia, 
it was very telling in that sense because a lot of people were like, well, why are you going to go there? You got uh, Noshan Marino there, you got mm -hmm. Chubb there, or you have those other guys, or Sony Michelle, excuse me, Sony Michelle and Chubb there in front of you. Why would he go there? He's not going to play. And it's like he understood what he he did when he came to the prep, right? He didn't have to be it's the guy. It's kind of the same situation, yeah. You could learn from them. Because most then, guys go into high school and they're the guy right away, but he kind of ran into like a college situation in high school. That's interesting, yeah. That's mm -hmm. true. That's why he handled yeah. it so well. St. Joe's Prep is like a college program. I love it. Jeez. My dad would have known anything. I would have been there. <laughs> <laughs> fullback. <laughs> this would have been your fullback. I mean, dude, Ryan's program. Jeez, <laughs> Louise. Uh, you didn't make it there either, though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, oh, I had a question, but it slipped my mind. Um, oh, man. Uh, go ahead. Okay. Um, do you have aspirations of just being like the king of high school football in Philly, or do you have other plans of maybe moving on to college one day, NFL? What do you, uh, what's the future look like for you? Do you know, do you have any uh, future goals? Well, I wish I could predict it, but uh, no, I mean, you know, going, like I said, going back to my first, my, when I first sat down with Gabe, my first conversation was, you know, I wanted to be a college coach uh, at some point. That was kind of the first conversation in, in, in starting this. And and he explained to me that college coaches look down on high school coaches and, you know, we got to build, we got to build something here and, you know, maybe that's start somewhere. Point. And, you know, just cause it's, you know, it's high school, we don't know anything. Right. But, you uh -huh. know, uh, but that's part of it. But, um, but no, I think over the time though, you, you start to appreciate, like I said, developing the young man at that, at that time, right. In in that stage of their life, and watching them become young men in front of you uh, during during their high school years, and then going on and having success at you know the college level, and, and if that's you know in football, great. Uh, but there's been guys that have gone on to be uh, that have played, been a part of our program for four years, and went and been managers um, for for programs that are you know uh, working at high level um, colleges and things like that as managers now. So we're just going in, in, into the real world, but. Um, but I think, you know, you, you gain a lot of appreciation for that. Uh, and, you know, the college business is a tough business. You know, you're constantly running from the wolf, um, you know, and you're some guys are jumping around from from city to city and state to state, you know, or school to school. And, um, you know, and, and again, you appreciate that. And maybe that maybe mm -hmm. that's in my future at some point. But um, but no, at, at this time, you know, I just appreciate being around these guys and, and you know, when I took over, the whole staff stayed together and that was a huge piece. And, you know, the message to stay consistent and and we continue to win. We have, you know, we we have great kids and um, and we you know I have a great staff around us. So it's the program's in a good spot and, you know, we're continuing to find better ways because you always got to keep evolving. But um, you'll see, you know, I've had opportunities in the past um, that just weren't a great fit or I had looked into opportunities that wound up not getting the opportunity, you know, uh, given. So, you know, when, when that opportunity arises, you know, may, maybe we'll make the jump, but you know, in the meantime, you know, I appreciate being here. Yeah. All right. That's awesome. So, uh, before you came on, Pat was telling me about what it was like seeing a uh, St. Joe's prep, like roster oh in person. God. It's like an army. Um, so with that being said, do you guys, I'm a firm believer in like morale guys, like morale wins championships, stuff like that. Do you have like, is your fifth string center just strictly a morale guy? He goes in there, plays like 30, <laughs> 30 snaps a year. But, like, he's there to just keep the juices flowing. Like, you got to have guys on the team like that. Freshmen, you know, that just bring the juice in terms of, like, personality and keeping everybody yeah, loose. Yeah, because I was saying when I played freshman football, we played at Belmont Plateau. And, you know, we had 
25 guys, 30 guys maybe. And St. Joe's had like 50 kids. It was crazy. It's like very intimidating because like, you know, football, you're, you're literally going to war and it's like, <laughs> oh shit. It's a lot of guys. We're going to war. <laughs> many more warriors. Yeah. Than us. <laughs> we I won that freshman year. Just saying. Eight yeah. to seven. Eight to seven. <laughs> he was waiting all the time. To we did. We eight won. Eight to seven. What the mm-hmm. fuck? Eight to hey, seven. When I was when I was a senior quarterback at Ryan, I think the um, you know look the prep at the time I think was ranked the highest they've ever been. I think they were number three in the in the, in the country at that time, um, and they were loaded. And I was a senior, and I remember lining up and just seeing. It <laughs> like it was like. Um, um, 300 uh, yeah it's just a a surreal experience yeah we were up six nothing I think they fumbled early in the game we went up six nothing um you know everybody got excited and then I was just like lost touchdown touchdown. I was like oh well there there that goes but uh, how how did you fare against judge in your high school days um I think we I I was only a one-year starter uh, okay back so I I think we beat them uh my senior year I'm pretty sure all that matters right (laughs) Yeah. Um, but I, I think, you know, in terms of, you know, the guys in the program, you know, a great line that, that uh, Coach Parcells uh, has or had was, um, you know, you got to have a combination between character and characters. Right? Yes. You got to have guys uh-huh. with great character and there's got to be some characters. Right. And, and you, you always have them within the program. Definitely. Again, it's, it's about like you talk about morale, just making sure they're all working in the same direction. I tell you what, you know, this past Saturday, we've we haven't been together with everything going on uh, since the season ended. Um, we haven't had a time where the whole team has been together again uh, and try, you know, this, this next uh, season, you know, this next uh, team, you know, being together to kind of push forward weight room workouts, whatever we've been kind of split in different, you know, pods and things like that. So this past Saturday was the first time we were kind of all together. And it was probably the best, you know, practice we've had so far uh, guys, pushing each other, holding, holding each other accountable, right? Cheering each other on to finish the drills. That's a huge part of it. Um, and that's a big piece of our culture, right? Which happens from January to, you know, March uh, that people don't see is, is, is that piece of those guys in terms of uh, building that. And, um, you know, and then you work in obviously into the summer. But, uh, but no, I, I think overall, like you said, you know, it's a, it's a combination of character and, and characters within the program. I like that quote a lot. I never heard yeah. that. Um, yeah, no, COVID sucks though. It really, yeah, we didn't really talk about. I know that. it must be really tough. Like, cause I always think back, cause like my senior year got cut short of college, but like I wasn't really. It was fine, you know. I just finished up online and you know got my degree. But I th- think always think to consider like I would have been pissed to lose my senior year of high school. Like I think everyone's senior year of high school is like oh, super important. Right. Or, you know, prom, sports, all that. And I think it's a shame to see like a lot of kids getting like their careers cut short in sports or just their high school careers in general. So, yeah, what's it been like? Just kind of like you said, you guys just were together for the first time in a while. So just, yeah, it's like, do you guys have group chats? You's on Zoom. Like, how does that work? You should lift in like different groups. Yeah, when we came in, when it started in in last year now, geez, it's almost. I know it's almost been a full year. Um but yeah, I mean, when it first started, we jumped on. We got obviously got into the Zoom, uh, the Zoom calls, and, and we're having our meetings uh, virtually. And you know, that went from March to the middle of June, pretty much last year. Um, you know, which which was okay. You know, it was tough being away from them, but in terms of the lifting and things like that, uh, you know, I think we had a good senior leadership uh, and a good group in our upper class that were, you know, motivated. 
um, you know, to, to have a great year. And I know obviously they, they finish and that senior class finished with three states, uh, three straight state championships. So that was always something they kind of had in the back of their mind that they wanted to do. And, um, you know, they weren't going to, you know, leave any stone unturned in terms of getting towards that. But uh, when we got to uh, July, it was just getting back out to, to see those guys in person and, and see their smiles again, right? Just happy to be around each other. And um, I tell you what, it was the hardest year of, of coaching football I've been through. And, you know, it just goes, I, I, you know, it was new, right, for everybody. Um, so it was nothing that I had learned in the pr- in the prior 10 years in, in, in coaching and, and taking over the deal. I laughed, I laughed with Gabe. You know, when we got in this, I was like, this was not in the plan that we built together. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like we didn't have, this was no, you know, no have ex- an action plan for this. Yeah, nothing in the table of contents. I could just flip to that page of, of kind of how to get through a pandemic. But no, I think, you know, uh, again, it takes a village. Um, you know, our coaching staff was great. You know, I told those guys, I said, your focus got to be the kids and keeping those guys engaged and, and developed. And, you know, my job this year, unfortunately, is going to be making sure that we can continue to play or have a season one. Uh, and then once we get into it, make sure that we can continue. But it really took everybody. You know, it got, the kids had to, you know, be smart about protecting themselves. And, um, you know, we kind of created our own bubble to a degree uh, with that, with having the ability with guys being able to be virtual. Uh, but we only played a six game season. Uh, it was tough, uh, but well worth it. You know, well, you know, I was great, very grateful to have those six games and, um, you know, and, and still finish, uh, you know, the goals that, that the guys had, which was great. You mentioned the uh, three championships, but you are, you've been a part of six. Do you ever just uh, rock all six of your rings like Tom Brady? <laughs> no, I, I, tell, I tell you, I think after this year, when, um, you know, I think when this one comes in, I, I thought about, you know, taking that picture, you know, the one that goes around yeah, the world, yeah. you know, sitting here like this, right? <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but no, they're they're great, and you know they're obviously memories that go back to it. But you try to explain to the guys, right? You know, each each year is a is um, every team has a one year life ex, a life expectancy, right? So, you know, now we're in the in the position of building a building a new set of leaders in terms of those rising seniors and rising juniors, and uh, bringing a new group together, um, and you know, letting those guys. That's that's been a tough part, right? Is always. We talk about is what is harder to deal with success or adversity and there's without a doubt it's adversity right because um trying to stay on top of a mountain is is, is very difficult and because because guys become complacent and then guys coming into the program think that's rings and jackets is, is is just what we do right we just show up and win and it's you know knocking them down a peg and saying listen like we gotta get back to work and um you know uh, if not you know we'll be embarrassed and, you know, we got, and then, you know, you're going to find out real quickly, this is how we got to do things. And um, we did that two years ago with the group. We went down to Georgia, a lot of, a lot of, um, you know, um, optimism going into the first game on ESPN and, and we lost in a tight one. And it was the best thing that happened to us that year, Um, you know, and being able to turn around and and finish out the rest of the year the way we did. Um, But that's always been a part of our, uh, setting up a, a very tough non-league schedule in the beginning of the year uh, to to prepare these guys uh, to be able to come back and play with uh, with confidence in the league and, and in the state. I have one more question before we wrap this up. Um, so do you have like a – everybody talks about like comparing – like a comparison for players. Do you have a coach that you would model your coaching – game after or a comparison or like an inspiration yeah like earlier in the interview i don't even know who you guys were talking about some family 
from Ryan and you like just rattled off like every kid, like what they did in their future. Like, uh, it gave me Sean McVay vibes, but way more chill. That guy's way too much for me. Do you look <laughs> a? do you have a coach that you resent like to resemble or anything like that? Um, not, I mean, not in particular. Um, I think, you know, you know, you, you take the, you know, a lot of things, obviously the, the coach Saban and coach Belichick and, uh, just the way they run their programs and, and accountability and just uh, you know, the values that are instilled in their program. They're the things that I think that you try to kind of make sure because um, obviously they're doing some things right. Uh, you know, right. And, and it's not just the great players that they have, right. It's about the way those guys think uh, and go about their business every day. And um, you know, I think just finding bits and pieces over the years, I've been blessed you know, in my time here, um, you know, I do a lot of, I would do a lot of professional development as an assistant and go and, you know, travel around and, you know, maybe one day, you know, um, you know, they'll tell the stories of, you know, me driving around in cars and sleeping in cars, right. And, and going to meet these college coaches around different parts of the country and just, just trying to get um, our players' names out there a little bit and help them with recruiting, uh, learn, learn uh, football, obviously. And, and then build a network, right? Because it's anything, right? especially in this business, right? It's it's, it's networking and, um, and 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 making sure that um, you know continuing to better ourselves. And, and and I think that's something that you know I put a lot of time in earlier on that you know helped me um, you know get to where I am now. You're about to be my next uh, Madden coach when I when I draft a team. <laughs> so I was getting I was trying to figure out if I should make you a, a strategist, a team builder, or uh, a uh, scout. So obviously you're a team builder. <laughs> uh, yeah, and I think uh, you know I think uh, th- through it all you got to have a little piece in, in everything there, right? You know, uh, I, mean, I got to throw my I don't have to throw my coordinator hat uh, as much. You know, I got some great younger coaches that have taken that taken those roles and, and ran with them and. Um, you know, that is one tough part about being a head coach is you don't get to coach as much football as you like, but uh, there's a lot of other things that, you know, you appreciate uh, being in that position. So that was, that was a good quote. Yeah. I feel like that's going to be the opening of your, of your autobiography, <laughs> being a football coach. You don't get to coach as much football as you'd like. <laughs> All right. Well, this has been a ton of fun. Uh, thanks for taking the time out of your, yeah, your night. Awesome. Like you said, you came right off the practice field. So you're obviously a dedicated guy. You have the look like looking at you right here. I can see, I could see a future. I could see the and future. in the picture. I was expecting the glasses because the yeah. glasses look like you look like Gus Mal's on with the glasses on. Drives me crazy, right? <laughs> that's, a funny, that's a funny behind the scenes story. So I had glasses. Um, I, I got glasses about two and a half years ago. And when I took over the job, I was still wearing them at the time. Uh, and that literally, like maybe about a month after I got the job, I, I got contacts. Um, so I don't really wear glasses anymore. Every time I get, like, I got announced for, um, you know, some accolades or being the coach for the All-American game or whatever this year. And then those things get, that picture gets blasted Yeah, that pi- that's like you know, the main picture that pops up. Yeah, you look like a mad scientist. Guy, like, I do not want to see this picture ever again. And the funny <laughs> thing is, if you Google it, right, if you Google the name, right, you go down, there's a, a version of that picture without the glasses. Somebody took it and, like, and, yeah, and photoshopped it. <laughs> Yeah, that's, I was like, that's not that's not the reason. I look terrible in that picture. Let's go with a few of the other. You got all these pictures, <laughs> right? And you go with the one from glasses from three years ago. But that's, that's funny. Being famous, huh? <laughs> yeah, being, being famous, Googling your name and yeah. seeing pictures you don't like of yourself. <laughs> what a life. <laughs> no, it's been awesome, though. Thank yeah, you so much for this. We appreciate you uh, taking your time. And uh, we'd love to have you back. 
Absolutely. Yeah. Anytime, guys. Appreciate you, man. You guys are doing a great job, right? Keep Thanks. It cool. yeah. If you want to have like any of your like big time kids, you know, you want to like show them how to talk to the media and stuff like, or the future of the media, have them talk to us. <laughs> we'll keep it PG. I love it. I love it. <laughs> That'd be great. All right. Well, uh, we'll let you take a shower and get to bed. I'm sure because you're you, like you said, just got home. That's crazy. <laughs> All right. Thanks a lot, coach. No, no problem, guys. Appreciate it. you. Have a good night now. Yeah, you nice too. meeting you. See you. Take care. Go prep. All right, hope you enjoyed that interview with Coach Tim Roken. Uh, let's get into the best things we saw this week before we wrap this episode up, Pat. You got something for me? I think you do because you mentioned it's something we talked about before. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyone who watches TikTok, there is a recent TikTok trend. I feel like it's kind of dying down a little bit. Thank God. Um, yeah, I wasn't a big fan of it. It was that pasta one. With like the cherry tomatoes and the, and, the, and the feta or whatever, um, kind of thought it looked stupid, you know. Yeah, I, it was one of my beefs. I, I was hating on it. Um, so my mom's on like social media now. She has a TikTok. She's a TikToker. She's an Instagram. So we look at TikTok sometimes. Nice. She'll be like, "Hey, look at this TikTok." Look and at I'm the like, thick recipe, Patrick. Yeah. So sometimes it's just like boy bands dancing and i'm like <laughs> this is what you watch have you ever heard of bts Patrick? yeah um so whatever i come home my mom's like oh we're making that pasta so her and my sister made it and it was actually good it looked like they definitely put in a little couple extra ingredients than like Doctored it up yeah like we had some beautiful chicken breasts or chicken cutlets with it see yeah that's i'm i'm all for that if you give me a protein with it yeah I'm good. like yeah so it was basically chicken parm like and we used the bow ties mm. pasta form that's cool it was very good i liked it i'm just really impressed um so don't be a hater until you try it right but like you just said it's just like another form of chicken parm <laughs> like it's just no but like, the sauce is different though like it's a different it's like yeah. a, it's a cream don't, don't tell me I, i'm talking i know it's just it's nice it's creamy I'm, uh, if it's it's not like I'll a, take your word for it. I'm not going to try it. Okay, but I'll take your word for it. Yeah. I mean, I, I can see visually. I'm sure it. Like I can picture what it's going to taste like in my mouth mm. already. I know what it tastes like, and I just imagine that melted, melted altogether. Um, but I like the move of the chicken. The chicken cutlet is. See, yeah, no, I mean, I'm not a pasta. Like guy people like were that. making it, bake, making the <sighs> vegan one, so they were using not. And Real I knew I liked cheese. it because I had a Chipotle burrito like when two hours prior. And I still was like, you know what? I will try that. It smells really good. And I, yeah, I ate the shit out of it. That's a good call. Um, that, that is a true test though. If something's delicious. Uh, I was like, you right. can eat Chipotle early in the day and still crush like, then your you dinner. know, it's good. It yeah. passes the test. All right. Maybe I'll try it. Fuck. Um, all right. My best thing I saw. I, was... Yeah. I knew <clears throat> you would take me a little more serious after that. You know how Chipotle yeah, that's, that's like a meal after is. Yeah, absolutely. After a if I crush Chipotle, meal. I'm probably not eating anything the rest of the day. Um, my best thing was the Golden Globes. I'm not someone that's going to sit and watch yeah, like award three shows. Hours kinda... award shows. I watched the first hour, got got what I needed. I wanted to see how they were going to do it virtually. Uh, I heard that Tina Fey and Amy Poehler, who were hosting, were in different places. So like she was in L- uh, Tina Fey was in Philly or New York and. Uh, Amy Poehler's in LA, but you looking at the screen it must be weird for them. Oh, absolutely. I mean, obviously they're great talents and like, they know each other. They have such good chemistry. They, it's yeah, like they cracking jokes is easy, but it was nuts that they weren't standing next to each other. And they made it seem like, like if an old person without their glasses it's on, like when you watch screen, some like, college basketball games and you're like, and the announcers halfway through the game are like, we're both in our fucking yeah, I'm in my basement. <laughs> yeah. Like, like, holy shit. Yeah. Um, but the highlight of the show was, I would say 
he took over the internet. Jason Sudeikis showing up absolutely stoned. Oh yeah, I did see the, that. There were a few guys like James, James something. Gordon yeah. was stoned. Uh, but yeah, Jason Sudeikis won something and had to give a speech, and the speech was impeccable. He so went, the speeches were all just over Zoom. Yeah, and, and honestly, I liked it. There was a lot of, you know, usually like they go on and on and on and on and on, and then they start playing the music or whatever. But like with the Zoom, there was more of a respect thing. Or it was like, all right, here's your time. It's literally just you talking. There's not going to be like laughter and clap. It was very like very fluid and they were able to get their points across and like even the people that had like political statements and you know environmental uh psas and stuff like that like they were they weren't overdone or anything like that um mm-hmm. but jason sudeikis speech was incredible he went on and was like so if you've never watched ted lasso it's about a college football coach who goes to the uk and becomes a soccer coach football a football coach mm-hmm. yeah. yeah and it's hysterical because he's like from wichita so he's like real southern and whatever um but he won an award for that role which is a, a comedic role um and the speech was incredible it was almost like a stone ted lasso giving a pregame speech now ted lasso is not somebody that's going to smoke weed but jason sudeikis is he had everything he had the eyes he had the tie-dye hoodie um my favorite line from it was he was like you know when you're working with a a cast like this you don't you don't bring the best out of each other you you get good things from each other and the rest just comes along and it was like really <laughs> is that a oh, doesn't that sp- are you that supposed a- to bring the best yeah, out of each other i wasn't sure if you were complimenting your cast or just saying like i make them better but incredible stuff uh other than that the golden globes were pretty pretty standard i am happy to say which we said we were going to review this i'm pretty sure um borat's not second movie it's called something funny whatever this borat 2 um he won for that did he he did he won really? for borat 2 um which they they crushed it for borat 1 too so the award shows they obviously see something in borat that that's funny i still haven't seen that yeah. i've watched the first 50 minutes and i will go back to it now that i know it's award winning but maybe we'll review it <laughs> probably not <laughs> probably not but you should watch it um all right <laughs> Next episode. Anyone who's been listening to us day one, they're, they know not to count on yeah, us yeah, for yeah. a movie you, you watch the movie after we review it, expecting us not to review it. Maybe you guys can give... Maybe one of our fans can start their own movie podcast, and they can review the movies. And then we'll review... And then we'll use their reviews yeah, to exactly, talk about the exactly. movie. I like where your head's at there. So, hear that, fans? All 13 of you. Um, all right. Next episode, we'll have a bunch of stuff to talk about. No interview, but plenty of topics. Yeah, March is coming up. March is up. Big uh, UFC Baseball's weekend. back. UFC. Baseball. Yeah. Phillies have been playing. Fans. Fans. So uh, we'll be back this week again. I know last week we said we were going to do two, but we're actually going to do two this week. So we'll see you then. Make sure you subscribe and all the good stuff. See you next time.